Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Strange but true stories. Tales from the light side, the dark side, and the other side. I'm Steve White. Have you ever been in a situation where you know something is absolutely true, but nothing around you supports it? Not that you think it may be true, but you know you experienced something, have vivid recollections about it, and yet, in your current reality, there is no proof it ever happened. Or maybe something that can't happen in a logically configured world like this happened anyway. Such is the case with the following stories. Call it a glitch, a glimpse of the multiverse perhaps, or something just purely strange and unexplainable. All of the following stories except for one were submitted to Strange But True from viewers like you. Registration Vexation One morning I went to the mailbox and found that my new car registration and sticker for the license plate had arrived. I went to the house and got a damp paper towel to wipe any dust from the license plate so that the sticker would adhere better. I placed the registration in the glove box and then attached the new sticker to the plate. While I was crouched at the rear of my car, my neighbor came up the sidewalk and kindly said good morning. I returned her greeting and then walked back to my house. At the time, I had two very large planters on the patio with small fruit trees in them. As I approached the front door, a black and white cat jumped out of one of the pots and ran across the yard. It startled me a little bit, but I didn't think much about it. Three months later, I was driving home from the grocery store and I was pulled over by the police. The officer said that my license plate had expired four months earlier and asked to see my registration and proof of insurance. I was just dumbstruck as to how my license plate tag was expired. I dug around in the glove box, but couldn't find my new registration. I told the officer that I was certain that I had put the new sticker on the plate and placed the new registration in the glove box four and a half months ago. She let me off with a warning and instructed me to look again at home and get the sticker and new registration put in the car. I thanked her and drove home feeling very confused. I ran the whole thing over in my mind, remembering distinctly the application of the sticker, the neighbor saying hello, and the black and white cat jumping out. Oh well, maybe the sticker had fallen off, but that wouldn't explain where the registration was. It was baffling. The next day, after scouring my house, I went to the DMV and sat through the morning fully expecting that they would find record of my payment and current registration in their computer system. But no, they couldn't find any record of what I was sure I had done months before. So I paid for another registration and went home, went into the house, got a damp paper towel to wipe any dust from the plate. I then went to my car, placed the registration in the glove box, and attached the new sticker to the rear license plate. While I was crouched at the rear of my car, my neighbor came up the sidewalk 
and again said good morning. I returned her greeting and then walked back to my house. As I approached the front door, a black and white cat jumped out of one of the tree planters and ran across the yard, just as I had remembered four and a half months before. Next stop, Seattle? So in 2014, my daughter was in Los Angeles visiting her grandmother. I was living in Seattle at the time and was driving from Seattle to L.A. to pick her up and bring her home. The drive is straight down Interstate 5 from Seattle to L.A. It's approximately 1,200 miles, and you can drive it straight in 24 hours or so, or break it down into two days, driving 12 hours a day. I've driven it before, and so on this occasion, I left Seattle at around 5 o'clock in the evening, and three hours later, I was just getting on the bridge crossing into Oregon from Washington. I was on the phone with my daughter, telling her I just pulled into Oregon. I had driven to Portland many, many times before. So I'm on the phone with her for about 30 minutes as I'm driving, south on I-5. I see a small sign in the dark that says Kalama, which is in Washington State. I was still chatting and just disregarded what the sign said, half thinking there must be a Kalama, Oregon, too. About five minutes later, I see another sign that says Kalama, next exit. What? I told my daughter I'd call her back. I had no idea where I was. I wasn't in Oregon anymore. I was not going south on I-5 all of a sudden. I decided to get off at the next exit and figure out where I was. I plugged in the Garmin and it told me I was heading north on I-5, towards Seattle. That was impossible. I never got off the freeway. I never took an exit. I took the only bridge there is and stayed on the freeway going 60 miles per hour on cruise control. Therefore, it would have been impossible for me to have exited the freeway, turned around, and go back over the bridge into Washington State going 60 miles per hour the whole time. I was freaked out. At least, I would know if I drove that bridge again going north. I looked at the clock and it was 11 o'clock? That was also impossible. As just over a half hour ago, I was entering Oregon. It was only eight. I had just lost two and a half hours. I had just hung up with my daughter. I managed to be heading the exact opposite way of where I was a half hour ago. And I was even on the phone with my daughter less than a half hour. I looked at the time on my phone. I got back on Interstate 5 going south and had to drive another hour or so to get back to Oregon. I had lost hours, literally, and was totally turned around heading back home. I still cannot figure out what happened to this day. Registration Manifestation It was 1985, and I was visiting my grandparents in Puerto Rico for the summer. My grandfather, who we called Poppy, owned a 1965 Mustang. He loved to drive it, and anyone who visited got a slow but nice ride with him. He shared stories and talked about which places were best to buy bread or empanadas or whatever he thought you needed to do while you were there. On one particular day, he wasn't up for driving and for the first time allowed someone else to drive his car. I was 18 at the time and was thrilled and honored to be given the opportunity to drive his prize vintage Mustang but I was also a little nervous. 
Obviously, 30 years ago, technology isn't what it is today. He handed me his registration papers, asking me to be responsible with the car and with the paper registration title. I took the request seriously and, of course, told him I would. I safely put the registration in my wallet in front of him and drove off with my aunt, uncle, and sister. We decided to go to the beach and enjoy the day. The day was beautiful, as it always seemed to be in Puerto Rico, and we spent a few hours swimming, eating, talking with the locals, and soaking up the sunshine. Around 3.30 in the afternoon, we decided to head back home. I carefully drove home and returned the car safe and sound. I reached for my wallet to give my grandfather his registration back. But my wallet wasn't in my pocket. I couldn't find it anywhere. It had his registration and my ID and money in it. I searched all over the place, in the car, the rooms, under the bed, around the house, the beach bag. I asked my aunt, my sister, my uncle if they remembered anything. I even looked under the mattress. I was so disappointed in myself. I searched for at least 30 minutes and couldn't find it anywhere. I was so ashamed. I didn't have the courage or the heart to tell my grandfather I lost the registration. He would be disappointed in me and probably would never let me or, for that matter, anyone else drive his car again. How could I have been so irresponsible? I was sitting in my bedroom wondering what to do next. I stopped searching, closed my eyes, and I said out loud, Bring me the paper, please. I don't want to disappoint my grandfather. I know you hear me. Whoever you are, please just give me back the registration. And when I opened my eyes and was ready to walk out of the bedroom, I looked down, and at my feet, there it was. Unfolded and laying right at my feet was the registration paper. My eyes couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was nervous, but relieved. I really didn't know what happened, or how, or, or what, or, but I know it wasn't there a few seconds ago. It was just the registration, not my wallet, or my money, or anything else. I picked it up and carefully looked at it. Yes, it was Poppy's registration paper. I couldn't believe what just happened. I went to my grandfather and handed it to him. I didn't tell him what just happened, or about my desperate search for it. I sat down in silence for about ten minutes, pondering. I couldn't figure it out then, and I still can't now. Throughout the rest of the trip, I kept looking for my wallet, but was never able to find it. A few weeks later, I'm back at home in the States, and I received a phone call from a guy, and he said, Hey, you don't know me, but uh, I was in Puerto Rico a few weeks ago and found your wallet at the beach. I was surprised and happy to know someone found my wallet and lived in the same town I did and also was willing to make the effort to return it to me. He told me I could meet him at his job and he would give it back to me. I met him and he handed me my wallet. My cash and cards and my ID were all there. I asked him if there had been a registration paper for a 65 Mustang inside. He said no. It was exactly as he had found it. I immediately offered him all the money that I had in the wallet and thanked him 100 times over. I was shocked and amazed for a second time. What are the odds of someone finding your wallet on vacation who also lives near you and then makes that kind of effort? 
But as I drove off, I kept thinking about how impossible it was for the registration paper to be removed from my wallet and wind up at my feet several weeks before. My mind still cannot wrap around it. New Coke? Nope. Quantum Coke. I was moving out of my house and had brought a friend with me to help lift some things that I couldn't handle on my own. Now, he is a total paranormal skeptic, and he and I often joke that if he hung out with me long enough, surely something would happen, as I have had many experiences of paranormal events, ranging from familiar spirits, UFOs, doppelganger events, almost all with witnesses. Now, to preface this story, I should explain I love Coca-Cola, and I drink it almost daily. The truck I was driving at the time had no cup holders built in, I installed my own clip-on cup holder that hangs on the inside of the door. I bought it to hold the fountain drinks that I frequently enjoy. So as per my normal routine, I picked up a soda before driving out to the house. As always, I got ice, filled up the cup, walked out to my truck where my friend was waiting for me, and put the drink in the cup holder. We headed to the house, and when we arrived, I grabbed my soda and walked inside to start carrying some of the heavier items outside. We worked about 30 minutes or so, and decided to have a smoke in the truck. I grabbed my soda, with ice still in the cup, and walked out to the truck to smoke a cigarette. We had gone out to the truck instead of standing on the porch because it was fall in Alaska, and it was cool outside, so we preferred to be warm and to be sitting down as I had already moved all the furniture on the deck. I absentmindedly went to set my soda in the cup holder in the truck when my hand bumped something already in the cup holder. There was a drink just like the one I had in my hand. I was shocked and, and looked at my friend who looked back and forth between the cup and the cup holder and the cup in my hand. Now, neither of us had been in the truck since we had arrived, and there was no way I could have had a soda in the cup holder and the one in my hand. The one in my hand was definitely the fresh one I had picked up on the way to the house. The one in my hand still had ice and condensation on the outside of the cup. The cup in the cup holder had soda in it, but no ice. And when I picked it up, there was no condensation on the bottom of the cup or on the sides, as if it had been there for a while, as in hours or days. Another detail, the truck is a manual transmission. So there's no way I could have held a soda in my hand, shifted gears, and driven. And why would I when I could park my drink in the cup holder? Even my skeptic friend could not explain what had happened. We tried to rationalize every option, even considering a random passerby, stopping in and sitting in my truck, setting the coke in the cup holder, but decided that was extremely unlikely considering I lived 20 miles from town on a quiet country road on five acres. To this day, we refer to the event as the Quantum Coke and can't explain it any other way. DC or Marvel, which universe is this? In the summer of 2005, I was hanging out with some friends at a now-defunct punk rock bar in Chico, California, called the Riff Raff Room. I'm not a big drinker, but I did have a PBR that night. There was a pretty decent band, and we had a good time just kind of hanging out. We parted ways around 10.30 that night. I still wanted to wander around town a little more, though. I walked around and found an area with a lot of record shops and cool little stores, including a small comic shop that was still open at 11 p.m. 
I'm a huge comic fan. And that night I was wearing a t-shirt with all the Marvel heroes on it, including Daredevil. I thought it was strange that the comic store was open so late, so I stepped in to check it out. There was a really cute goth girl working in the store. She was very polite, but kept staring at my shirt. I made a comment about being a Marvel fan, and she said, Daredevil's not Marvel anymore. Marvel traded him to DC for the Flash. What? That's not right. Daredevil has always been Marvel. I just said something like, yeah, sure, thinking she was making some sort of joke that I wasn't getting. I looked around at the books. Sure enough, all the Daredevil books were DC, and all the Flash books were Marvel. There was even a poster of the Avengers featuring the Flash. So I went up to the girl again, and I asked her when this happened. She told me it happened after the DC vs. Marvel event back in the 90s. Again, what? I knew this couldn't be real. This made no sense. What kind of alternate comic book universe was this girl living in? I was always up with the comic book news. I would have heard of something that big. But I believed what I was seeing and bought an issue of DC's Daredevil. I'll never forget it because it had Grant Morrison's name on the cover. I'm a huge Grant Morrison fan. I also bought an issue of the Justice League with Daredevil fighting the Joker and the Royal Flush Gang. I left the store and noticed that, strangely, the street lights were all out in the neighborhood. I went home and didn't really think much more about my strange comic book experience anymore that night. The next morning I went to visit a friend. I told him about the weird comics, and when I took them from the bag, they were exactly the same as I remembered from the store. Daredevil by DC Comics, Justice League with Daredevil fighting the Joker. A short time later, I went back to Chico. I wanted to return to the comic book store and see if I could figure anything else out. But the comic store was gone. In its place was a small Scientology Dianetics storefront. That was weird. It hadn't been that long. A few months later, I packed my stuff up and moved to Los Angeles. I know I didn't leave anything behind in the move. I triple-checked my place before leaving for the final time. But I have never been able to locate those comics I bought that night since the move. Did I step through some alternate dimension? Or was this some really over-the-top, elaborate prank? I can't figure but I remember very distinctly that comic book shop and the ones I purchased. My son's doppelganger? I know that what I'm about to tell you seems absolutely crazy, but I swear on my life that it is true. It still confuses me to this day. Now, I live in Green Bay, and I have two adult sons who also live in Green Bay. Early in 2017, my oldest son purchased a blue Buick LeSabre from his girlfriend's father. You know how your mind sees every car like that after someone close to you gets one? Well, he and his girlfriend and her two boys took a road trip to Pensacola, Florida in March so his girlfriend could attend a baby shower of a good friend of hers. They drove their newly purchased LeSabre down there. They were going to be gone for seven days. Now, after he got there, he was posting videos and pictures of them swimming in the Gulf of Mexico and having a great time. I really enjoyed seeing him and how happy he was to be in Florida. 
He has this really distinctive beard, and I was wondering if it was a little uncomfortable having that full beard as warm as it was in Florida. Anyways, I had gotten up a bit later than normal and cleaned up my apartment quickly. I was very envious of my son because he was enjoying the beautiful sunshine and warm temperatures of Florida while I was here in Green Bay freezing. I received a text from my youngest son asking me if I would pick up his boy, my grandson, from school. I said, sure, I'd do that, and I got myself ready to go pick him up. At that time, my oldest son was working for the Packers organization. Lambeau Field is six blocks from my apartment complex. I drove to the entrance of the apartment complex and was about to make a right turn onto Cormier Road when I noticed a blue Buick LeSabre coming from the opposite direction. It looked just like the one my son had bought not too long ago. I looked and could hardly believe my eyes. I had to do a double take. Driving that car was my son, beard and all. He's a diehard Falcons fan despite working for the Packers, and he had his favorite Falcons snapback hat on. I was speechless. I watched him drive to Oneida and take a right towards Lambeau. He was still in Florida, literally a thousand miles away. He wasn't going to be back for another several days. I was already running late to pick up my grandson. If not for that, I would have followed him. But I think that if I were to catch up to him, I would have lost my mind. I never told him about it because I'm not sure I want confirmation of the unreal. But I know what I saw. This has been another edition of Strange But True Stories. All of these stories, except the comic book alternate reality story, were submitted to us by viewers like you. Have you ever had a strange experience that you can't quite explain, and if you told it to any of your family or friends, they would think you're crazy? Well, send that story to us at strangebuttruestories2 at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of these stories in the comments below, and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to those who have, it's greatly appreciated. I'm Steve White. Thanks for watching. Until next time.